Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast, and I am your host, Christine Campbell-Rappin. I am on a complete and utter mission to help entrepreneurs make a difference, navigate that messy middle in the world of startup, growth, relaunch, plot twists, and everything in between. Join us today. We're going to be diving deep with one of our guests who's going to share with you the best concepts, insights, and strategies that helped her and you to get on the fast track with your business. Today, our guest is Britt Lefko, and I'm super excited because she's a peer in my world as well. She is a business and personal development coach who is specialized in coaching entrepreneurs and executives who are looking to push through the glass ceiling, up-level in their business, and create more joy and authenticity in their lives. For over 20 years, she's been expanding upon the groundbreaking work of her father, Morty Lefko, who, whose belief-based neuroscientific approach to business and personal development has been instrumental in the growth of individuals and organizations around the world. Her work has been focused on identifying shifts in the underlying beliefs, thoughts, and feelings that are typically buried underneath layers of achieving, accomplishment, and pushing through. She has a highly customized methodology helping you to identify your blind spots, create unwavering confidence to accelerate growth without undiagnosed problems holding you back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our program. Thank you. That was a mouthful, huh? <laughs> I love it because I want, I want to jump right into the deep end. Did you imagine that you would be an entrepreneur. You've got a family legacy that you're continuing, but did you see that as your journey when you first planted that seed or jumped in at the deep end? It is literally the perfect question to start with. I knew that I would do this work. It was the entrepreneur part that I had to grow into. I knew that this was my gift. It's been my gift since I was four years old. I could see through people and I was always able to understand what were their mindset blocks, even as a kid in school? It's like, I've always been able to see it. And then I learned it and mastered it within my family and then evolved a lot of my own work. But the idea of running a business felt really outside my comfort zone. And I think I watched my parents struggle a lot with their business when I was a kid. And I think I felt like if you run a business, you're going to have to work forever. It's going to be really hard. And you know your, your month-to-month revenue is going to depend on your output. And so there's no consistency and there's no safety in that. And so I think I rejected in a lot of ways the idea of the entrepreneur, but I knew there was no way I wasn't going to do this work. So there was a bit of an internal conflict around that. So you feel called to do the work. When did you decide then it says, nope, the path is entrepreneurship? What was the moment or what was the um what was the dawn that went, mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I started my own practice when I was really young, like my early 20s, and it went really well. But I realized that I didn't know business um, and I didn't know how to run my own business. So I dissolved my practice and I went and I worked in tech for five years and I did. um, I skipped a lot of steps. I was, I guess I would say, really lucky in that I was able to kind of apply and be received for jobs that are way, way, way above my experience level on paper, but actually worked really well for my kind of genius zone. And so I I had a lot of access to executive leadership teams. And I was able to really make an impact on these companies. And it really helped me build my confidence. I was like, wow, I'm literally turning these companies around. I'm in my mid-20s. And, you know, our average sale price is doubling. Our revenue is doubling as a company. And that made me see, okay, maybe I know business. 
better than I realized. And I think after that, I started to wonder like, what would it look like for me to take everything I know about business and apply that to myself and to my clients? And I just kind of hit a point where the things I was selling and coaching on and working within tech, I just, I didn't care. <laughs> I just, I didn't really care about selling software. I didn't really care about helping salespeople to be more effective within my company. It's like, I wanted to get to the real stuff and I felt like I couldn't do that. So I moved out of tech and I started my own business. And I I think this is actually probably one of the biggest things for me. My commitment to myself was I wasn't going to start a business in the way that other people, I think, often start a business. I was going to do me and I was going to let my business kind of build itself around me. I think that's one of the smartest choices I've ever made because my business feels like me. It's breathing. It is authentic. It's me. It makes me come alive. I don't really do a lot of things I don't like to do. I find ways to delegate them or put them off. And it's not avoidant. It's really committing to my genius zone so that I love this and I never burn out. (laughs) Well, it is. It's an interesting transition. And I love the fact that, you know, I had to make commitments to myself. I want to linger on that for a second because you said, you know, I knew there were gaps. I had some hesitations, but I had to trust that I could bridge them. When you made the first initial leap, what were some of the big gaps that you identified? Because you had confidence building. Yeah. But there may have been some hesitation still kicking around in the backstory. Yeah. I want to tell you my most personal one. My biggest gap was that I knew what I was able to help clients with. And I was afraid that if I couldn't help myself with those things, that it would either damage my credibility or my integrity or that I would be somehow not looked at the same. And I think that was really challenging for me because from the age of 15, 16 years old, I mean, I was able to give advice or see things or help people through things that they had spent their whole lives trying to, you know, reimagine and reorganize. And so I was always validated constantly of like, oh my God, you're smart. Like, how do you know that? How do you know how to do that? And you said one thing and it changed my entire perspective of myself, but I'm supposed to be their mirror, right? And so if I'm not doing those things within myself, what does that mean? And so figuring out, is this an integrity issue? Is it a credibility issue? And realizing that my trajectory is not always going to be as fast as my clients. And so that was something I really had to, I don't want to say overcome, but sit with and um, grow inside of because I do think in a lot of ways I've watched my clients surpass me and kind of being okay with that and saying my genius is in that, not necessarily in my own business. And I have a great business that is very successful and very proud of, and I still have clients leapfrog me and that's okay. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I I think sometimes I've seen that struggle within the coaching space, particularly because you're measuring yourself against your clients, which isn't true. The the win is the general win of, of all the accomplished acceleration. And I I'd love to take us back to your first new client when you decided to jump in and say, no, yeah. I'm going to do this as a business. Tell us how you bumped into or discovered your first new client in your journey. These are such good questions. I'm loving this. So my first bit, my first real client was a jump. Um, I was introduced to a group of financial advisors who had, you know, however many millions of assets under management. And here I am right again, this basically kid in my 20s and coaching um, these financial advisors. And I think, again, the thing that I wanted to hide was my own kind of personal life and what I had accomplished. But the thing that was so amazing was the relationships that I formed with them and the gratitude that they had. And there's the CEO actually called me and was like, 
who are you and what did you do with my advisors? They're soaring. They're easier to work with. Like, and, and that was so exciting. But I think the internal struggle was feeling like I was hiding. Um, and so that was the, the gap that I had to jump over. I, I didn't even want them to know how old I was. I didn't want them to know where I lived. I didn't want them to know anything about my business. I just wanted to coach them. And I think that's really the theme for me, right, has been becoming more comfortable being a human and being an entrepreneur at the same time, right? That's saying that my skill set doesn't necessarily have to match my life. And as big and beautiful as my life is, it doesn't need to fit the picture of what I thought people would want it to in order to be credible. So I think me biting the bullet was me kind of knees shaking. I hope they don't find out and I hope that they just focus on what I'm coaching them on and doing it anyway. That was really the transition for me. It's an interesting one because I do think we have a lot of head trash and I will tell you, life is a bunny continuum because it's either I'm too early, I'm too late, I'm too young, I'm too old, who am I to do this? All, no matter where you are, guys, I'm sure the audience is getting going, oh yeah, I've probably told myself that story. But you made a defining moment to say, I'm not going to buy into that story anymore. And it is freeing when you recognize clients aren't judging you the way you judge yourself. Really, what they want is the result. Right. And if you are clear that you can help the result, simply show up as a good human being. And that's certainly an adage I say in my business. People say, well, what makes you successful? I said, I always remember first, if I just have humanity, yeah, that's a really good starting place. Yeah. Everything can flow from that. Because if you see somebody in a place of distress where you know you can help, it isn't about your internal dialogue. It is about showing up as a good human to say, I see you. There's some footprints in the sand if you want to follow them. And if you do, I'm the right guy to help. When you're ready, I'm here knowing confidently there's a roadmap because I traveled it or I've researched it or I have uh, learned some lessons that will be valuable to maybe have a few less bruises, scrape knees or icebergs up ahead. (laughs) But when you have a business that is very tied to you and your specific expertise, how do you start the conversation of I want to make a bigger impact? Because you started obviously very much based on your legacy of a family success in terms of influence, in terms of results. You had your own internal North Star, but how did you start to expand? What did that look like and why was expansion important to you personally? Yeah. So again, another really personal piece of the puzzle. So my dad created this brilliant process, right, to help people shift limiting beliefs and it worked for everyone. And I watched Thousands of people go through this process and change their lives and it worked for everyone except for one person. And that person was me. And so I really struggled because I believed in this work with everything I had, but I couldn't find the shifts and the growth from it that I needed. And so the question really became, how do I evolve this work so that it works for me, right? How do I make this something that, again, with integrity, I can stand in and not just say, I can help you because I know the answers, right? But it's, I can help you because I've helped myself. And so, you know, the the girl in her early 20s who was having this practice and hiding, then at some point I didn't want to hide anymore. I really wanted to stand in, hey, like this is not just good information, that this is something I actually have been through and that I can vouch for in my own personal life. And so I think the journey for me was really finding my voice and my contribution. 
So not just I've mastered my dad's work, but what is my contribution to the world and how can I evolve this work so that it really feels like me? And uh, my dad passed away and that became a much more important question of not how do I get his work into the world, but how do I get mine, you know, still honoring his legacy. And so a lot of it was just really diving deep into what are the things that I've learned and what is my brilliance and what are my insights? And so I created a lot of my own IP and really with the just one-on-ones was very much one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. And then I realized at some point, one-on-one was him. What am I? So if I can do, if I can do one-on-one, what else can I do? And so I started doing some really fun, you know, keynote speeches and consulting and going into companies and helping them work with their teams to create more productivity or help them overcome roadblocks. And I was like, wow, it's possible to do this really effectively my way with more than one-on-one. And I developed a mindset group where people could have these experiences together, working together to overcome these internal barriers, to step into confidence, to see themselves clearly. And I think part of what was mine was my insight, but I think part of it also was really expanding it out of just the one-on-one space because I think that my dad felt really limited by that, that it always had to be about the beliefs. And what I've found is that there's patterns and there's themes and there's concepts where when you nail those, a lot of the beliefs fall away and the identity shifts. And you can do that with groups. You can do that in businesses. You can you can do that in so many different ways. So that's been a really fun kind of creative growth moment for me. So when you, when you make the leap to say, I'm going to go from essentially one to double, one to many, and, and that you know, now has become a, a groups of, you know, tens and hundreds. Um, what were some of the things you anticipated to be different going into it? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was I thought that the shifts only came when we unlearned our beliefs and that there was nothing kind of valuable outside of that, that insight within itself wasn't really all that valuable. I mean, people read books and workshops and seminars and they still struggle with the same things over and over and over again. It can't just be that change is hard. Like on some level, you can't just accept that change is hard and it's a struggle. There has to be an easier way. And I had seen an easier way, but I thought that was the only one. So I thought my dad came up with the only easy way and everything else was hard. And what I realized is that there are ways of creating insight that really do drive behavioral shifts, identity shifts, you know, mental shifts. And so I think in the beginning, the thing that I knew was going to have to be different was I was going to have to find ways to create transformation without shifting beliefs and without kind of going one by one. Here's all, here's the I'm not good enough. And here's the what makes me worthwhile is doing things perfectly. And here's if I make a mistake or fail, it means I'm stupid. Then how do, how do you get rid of, again, an identity or a sense without getting rid of all those beliefs? So I knew that was going to have to be different. And it was interesting, the way that this kind of opened for me was a former client of mine. She coaches women who are in transition in their business. And she brought me in to do mindset coaching with her groups. And in the beginning, I made PowerPoint presentations and I tried to help people with beliefs. And I was like, this is not me. And after a few of the calls, we ditched the PowerPoints. I started talking a little bit more about concepts and I got in my flow. And we started getting really great feedback about the calls. And that, I think, was the thing that shifted it for me, where I've been working with her for a few years now. And now it's like I jump on the call and I'm excited and it's great. And I I work with the group. But I think in the beginning, it was getting rid of the rigid structure and really just getting into what is it that people need help with and what are the insights that I can provide that are really going to make the difference. So that was really different for me. 
No, I love the story of you know, the planning to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan. No, no, no. I was like, that might be something that happens. And I also love, you know, and thank you for your, for your vulnerability that said, the first time I did it, I didn't knock it out of the park. Even though I had success in other areas, trying something new is not a guarantee it works. And when we do do something new, it's intentional that we set a structure, we create a safety net. Yours was a PowerPoint, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then to recognize that that if I just listen, observe, trust that I can pivot, if you want to use that word, or yeah. shift the iteration is really how you keep going. Because you don't, you know, nobody hatches as a successful entrepreneur and nobody uh, goes through their journey, I said, without scraped knees. And at the same time, you got to start somewhere. Yes. Start with the best intention of this is what I think is going to happen. This is what I think it needs. But a reflection of this isn't working as optimally as it yeah. could. So what could we do differently? Not necessarily throwing everything out and starting over, but building upon a foundation of experience. And I think that's a really important milestone people in our audience will appreciate because, guys, we, we all have some going, oh, can't believe I did that in the beginning. Yeah, right. You know, it's it's interesting. Inside of what you said, it really made me think of like, why do we fear starting at the beginning? And I think for so many of us, it's our relationship to mistakes and failures, right? And this is not new. What I'm saying is very obvious. But I think it's really understanding why we're afraid of mistakes and failures. And I think for so many of us, we just assume it's because they're scary, right? But the reality is mistakes and failures are not scary. Otherwise, everyone on the planet would be afraid of them. It really has to do with our neurological development, right? That our sense of safety between the ages of zero to seven are reflected in the harmony of our family. So when our family feels harmonious, we feel safe. And when our family feels like a lack of harmony, we feel unsafe. And the reason why is because our survival doesn't depend on ourselves. It depends on our family. And so harmony is actually conflated with safety. And so if you think about making mistakes or failing, in most families, there's some level of criticism. Why did you do that? Right? So there's a negative response, which feels like disharmony. So we actually categorize in our brains, mistakes and failures is unsafe. And things like being perfect or doing things the right way, right? Those things create harmony. And so we say those are safe. And so now we have these really um, limiting definitions of safe and unsafe that our subconscious mind is driving, right? So our decision-making power doesn't come from our logical brain. It comes from our emotional brain. 95% of our brain power comes from our emotional brain, right? Our amygdala. And so because of that, we hold these fears of mistakes and failure, and we hold these unnatural desires to be perfect or get things right, all because of the way that we view safety, and we don't even realize that's what's going on. And so I think one of the things that's so hard is you're not fighting against mistakes and failure, you're fighting against safety. And when you start to get that your safety is no longer on the line and you reframe your relationship to safety, the fear of mistakes and failures actually starts to disappear which is such a powerful thing to do. But so many of us just don't know where it's coming from and we normalize it. So we're like, oh God, of course I don't want to be at the beginning. Making mistakes and failing is awful. And when you get it, it's not so awful anymore. No, it's true. That's a great insight. And I'm curious, you know, as you as you as you kind of cast your vision to to what comes next. You've got a growing momentum. You, you know, you're working really hard right now to own the voice in a bigger setting where you're not, you know, letting the business run you, but you're starting to be on the scaling journey. You're also looking at creating your own legacy. It sounds like you know, many comments you've made have been about 
I started with heritage, but I really wanted an independent storyline for myself. What what are you hoping to craft as your legacy on this journey? Yeah, I love that question so much. Um, there's a couple particular insights that I have found to be really profound and I think are kind of the the foundation of of my own IP ideas about everything that we think is habit or that we think is destructive. Like the way that we label is actually you can find is self-love and self-protection in disguise, right? Like understanding our relationship to ourself better. There's a lot of insights I have around unsafe versus uncomfortable things that I've come up with thousands of hours of doing this work, things that I've seen as themes. And I think that when people start to get these insights, their mindset changes, their entire sense of themselves and the world changes. And that's what I want for people. I want freedom, right? That being human can be really, really hard and it can be really beautiful. And I think mindset really is the only difference between the two, right? Unless you really don't have access to clean drinking water, if you don't have access to shelter and safety, if you have your basic needs met, the only difference between happy and unhappy is mindset. The only difference between successful and unsuccessful is mindset. And so if you can have just a few things that you hold on to where you start to understand your mind more clearly and you can realize that the stories that you're struggling with came from a certain place. And when you unlearn those stories and craft new stories, it changes your identity. It changes the trajectory of your life. It changes how you show up, how you deal with conflict, how you communicate, how you experience love, how you feel about friendship. Everything changes. And so for me, the legacy is having people learn this and get this so that they can go be free and truly live in the infinite possibility that exists to play with being human, to play in this world, to fully enjoy this unbelievable opportunity that we have to be here on this planet. And it's just something that I care so deeply about. And I just want to share that with as many people as humanly possible. Well, I love it because I I think you know, we are returning to old school values and play being high on the agenda and kindness at the human level. So I want to take the opposite side of that as we wrap up our, our conversation today. And it's what is the roadblock that's stopping you from that legacy or that that is, you know, hindering the speed at which you'd like to achieve it? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the things I'm struggling with right now is I am balancing the desire to do like a lot more of the high ticket intensive, let's, you know, really successful entrepreneurs who are looking to skyrocket to the next level and have this huge ripple effect and be really hands-on with these high achievers, which is in so many ways like my life force. It's what I'm best at. It's what I enjoy so much. And also understanding that a lot of having a business is consistency and having an audience. And so it is selling a $19 roadmap, right? It is posting on Instagram and Facebook and having a mailing list and some of the less glamorous things that I've had the opportunity to work with some really incredible high achievers and do amazing work. And that's not a business. That's, you know, that that's not sustainable. And so I think one of the things that I've been really exploring is where do I land and how much do I invest in, again, these $19 and $59 and $129 things when I know that from an impact perspective, from, you know, a financial perspective, you can sell 100K offers. It's, it's a very different world. And so balancing those two, really wanting to have a sustainable business that can breathe outside of me, right, that isn't just my time. So I think that's that's a lot of what I've been kind of struggling with and working on right now. I brought, I love it. Thank, you know, th- there is a really important way of what is my legacy? 
Mm-hmm. Where did I start? What impact can I create? And I'm excited to say, guys, get to watch this space. I want to give a huge thank you to Britt for being our guest today. This is another episode of the Evolpreneur After Hours show. But before you go, a couple of things. If you like this episode, we'd love a five-star review. And if you are an entrepreneur, consider coming on and sharing your journey and insights with our community here. We would love to see you on our program. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes. And we look forward to seeing you next time. And if you're an entrepreneur, today is the perfect day to go make it happen and get into action. We will see you on our next episode.